We would think in our own reasoning that if we give our time and our effort and our energy to the work of the ministry, all that we would do is further grow in our understanding of our own ability. That is not what happens. As you give yourself to the work of the ministry, you only grow in your appreciation for God's grace towards you. This is Timeless Truth Today, and I'm your host, Matt Williams. Welcome to part seven of By Grace Through Faith, the closing of Pastor Paul Twiss's seven-part series in Ephesians. And although it's only three verses, chapter two, verses eight, nine, and 10 of the Apostle Paul's letter, it's bursting with important theological truths that directly affect the way we live out our Christian life every day. And right now, I want to welcome Pastor Paul to the microphone with an important reminder. So, Pastor, this has been a very powerful series on a very key passage of Scripture. That's right, Matt. The passage we've been studying needs to be reiterated often in churches because many churches add to Ephesians chapter 2, particularly verse 9, which reads, Not by works, so that no one may boast. Christians need to remind themselves what it means to be saved by grace and not by works. I also want to remind our listeners of an important change coming on Monday afternoon when you tune in, the name of our program will have changed to Beholding Christ. That is correct. Same program, same gospel teaching, but we'll have a new name, Beholding Christ, and a new website, beholdingchrist.org. That's beholdingchrist.org. Here's part seven now, the conclusion in our series, By Grace Through Faith. It was years before I came across a theology that might even hint at the fact that I contributed to my salvation. And so, probably in large measure because of how God introduced me to the Christian faith in that very biblical context, The idea of boasting in my salvation feels so foreign. I praise God for that, and I I pray that also it feels like a foreign idea to you. How could I ever come to boast in my salvation? But with that being said, I want to exercise a word of caution. You need to have caution when you read these words and you think, I am so far from boasting in my salvation. Paul has the whole work of salvation in view, as we thought about last week, the initial moment by which you are brought into union with Christ, the sanctifying and persevering process, all the way to glory. And though it might be true that you look at that initial moment of salvation, and it might be foreign to you to even imagine that you could boast about that, probably far less likely is the idea that you could never boast about your perseverance. Perhaps, without even realizing it, you are more prone to draw attention to yourself and your efforts and what you bring to the table as it relates to your ongoing perseverance. 
As I have thought about it, I do believe that would be the area within our Christian lives from beginning to end where we are most prone to boast. We are most prone to think, I'm really something special here. Look at the way in which I'm serving in the church. I wonder if they can see just how many hours I'm putting in here. I wonder if they're noticing just how hard I'm laboring and just what a blessing I've been to so many people. It would be that area of persevering that perhaps our hearts are prone to seek credit. And one question you might ask yourself to test where your heart is at is how much am I boasting about the cross? You see, when Paul speaks of the gospel, he always does so with a very black and white, in or out kind of theology. There's no middle ground. You're in Christ or you're not. When you read Paul, that much is clear. And so surely it stands to reason if you are failing to boast in the cross, is that not at least to some degree indicative that your heart is prone to be boasting in something else? If you recognize that your words as you speak about your testimony not just of initial salvation but your testimony of going on in the church if you recognize that there is not that much cross in there i'm honestly not someone who boasts in the lord jesus as the only means by which i am a christian this day it is perhaps representative of the fact that your heart is prone to boasting in yourself seeking attention, the credit, the affirmation of others, as if somehow now you're responsible for all that the Lord is doing in your life. Paul's exhortation is that we would not boast. How then do we ensure that we stand on solid ground in this respect, that we keep our hearts back from boasting, The answer, as you already know, is to keep in view God and his gift. This is exactly the theology that Paul gave us in chapter 1 of Ephesians. As so many of you have now committed that chapter to memory, don't lose sight of the theology that comes from it. You are blessed beyond all measure. Ephesians chapter 1, now I'm going to pray for you. What do I pray for you? That you would know God and his gift. That was our sermon. That was our time in that prayer. And you remember the title of the sermon was a prayer for life. You cannot get beyond Paul's prayer in Ephesians 1. Pray that you would know God and his gift. Strive every day to keep God in sight and the immeasurable riches of his grace as it has come to you in the gift of his son. Keep looking at the Father and his gift of the Son as the means by which you would not boast. Pursue the discipline of taking in the riches of God and his gift so that you would be someone who is only found boasting in the cross and not in yourself. Well, Paul goes on to give the second purpose statement. What is the common Christian experience, it is not boasting and it is walking in good works. Verse 10, we shouldn't boast. Why? For because we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Notice here in verse 10 just how 
saturated Paul's language is with the theology of grace. He says we are his workmanship. We ourselves have been crafted by an all-wise, loving God. We are the product of his labors. We are his workmanship. We have been created in Christ Jesus for a purpose, for good works. The good works are works that God has prepared beforehand. So Paul is setting up this chain of God creating us. We are his workmanship. We can't take credit for who we are this day in Christ. And even the activities that we give ourselves to, God has prepared beforehand for us. So we cannot take credit for who we are, nor can we take credit for what we do. The good works that God intends us to give our time and our energy to have been prepared by God beforehand. Thus, it is all of grace. And then he says, so that with all of this having been acknowledged, God creating us and the works that we would do, it is all so that we would walk in them. We would continuously go about the labors of the ministry. We would walk in them. We would habitually go about the tasks that God has given us. We would continuously give ourselves to the labors presented before us that come about within the ministry of any local church. Now, what is curious to me and what I have pondered perhaps most this week is the negative positive that Paul establishes within these few verses. Two purpose statements, one in the negative, one in the positive. The negative is don't boast. The positive is walk in good works. And what I've been pondering and thinking through is just how strange a pairing that really is. Paul did not say that the ordinary Christian experience is to be not boasting in our works, but boasting in Christ. As legitimate as that equation is, we should, with our lips, boast in the grace of the gospel. That's not actually the formula that Paul sets up for the Christian life. Nor does he say, by way of example, the negative is to not walk and the positive is to walk. He doesn't say that as legitimate as that relationship is. He brings together two ideas that perhaps we would not ordinarily connect. The Christian life is on the one hand not boasting and on the other hand, yes, walking. Not boasting, but walking. What's the opposite of not boasting? <laughs> you wouldn't say it's walking. What's the opposite of walking? You wouldn't say, I know, it's not boasting. But some, for some reason, that is how Paul portrays the Christian life to us. Close your mouth and get on with the labors of the ministry. So why that relationship? Why is it intuitive to Paul that we don't boast, but that we walk? I believe the answer is because in God's wisdom, there is a special apprehension of God's grace in our service to one another in the local church. A special apprehension, acknowledgement of God's grace in our acts of service towards one another within the local church. So on the one hand, don't boast. Don't set yourself apart. 
Don't bring attention to yourself and all that you think is good about yourself. Don't do that. By contrast, walk in good works. There's the relationship, and this is a fitting, a fitting counterpart to the not boasting. Because according to God's wisdom, as we go about the good works that he has ordained for us, therein, there is a special apprehension, enjoyment of, understanding of God's grace. It is not that we fail to understand God's grace as we speak of it, understand God's grace as you boast of him. But according to God's wisdom in a special and perhaps higher way, when we give our hands to the work of the ministry, therein there is a special apprehension and enjoyment of God's grace. Perhaps far more than when we simply stand and sing of his grace, which we ought to do. When we go about the labors of the ministry, now we start to experience in a new and fresh way just how gracious is God towards us in the gospel. And if you have served in any capacity to any measure in the local church, you will know this to be true. It is a wonderful thing to come together with other brothers and sisters in Christ and to praise God for his grace. But oh, when you serve him, when you labor in the church, arm in arm with other believers, now there is a tasting of his grace that is altogether different and special and wonderful. When you serve in the work of the ministry, now in a different way, you are experiencing the grace of God and finding it to be altogether satisfying. And notice just how counterintuitive it is. We would think in our own reasoning that if we give our time and our effort and our energy to the work of the ministry, all that we would do is further grow in our understanding of our own ability. That is not what happens. As you give yourself to the work of the ministry, you only grow in your appreciation for God's grace towards you. It is wonderfully satisfying in a way that the world cannot fathom. You understand that as the world looks in on the church, they cannot understand why anybody would give of their time and their energy in the way that we ask you to, why anybody would behave like that, and they don't know the grace of God that is experienced through such labors. It is when you serve in the local church that you find the perfect antidote to boasting in yourself. And so, Paul's encouragement to the first century Christians in Ephesus is as pertinent for us today as it was for them. The theology has not changed. God's plan for the church has not changed. One of the most important verses you could ever learn as it relates to service in the church comes in chapter 4 of this letter. The ministry of the word is given, why? So as to equip the saints for the work of the ministry. Do not allow yourself to think that the work of the ministry is done solely by the pastoral staff, by the elders, or even by the deacons. The work of the ministry is your responsibility. It is the ministry of the word that equips you. And as you sit under the preaching and the teaching of the word in this church, so then the expectation is that you would serve. We were able to offer a class for our new members yesterday. And sadly, I couldn't be there for the whole day, but I spoke just very briefly at the beginning. And one of the encouragements that I gave to those coming into membership in just a few weeks 
was to serve. I said, determine that as you come into membership in this church, you would serve. Steadfastly serve as there are needs presented to you. Why? Well, for one reason, I said, we really need you. The ministry is growing here, and there are endless needs. But more than that, I want for you to serve because it is for your good. I want you to serve because it's for your apprehension of God's grace. I want for you so much to understand more and to enjoy more and delight in more the truth of God's gift for you, his grace towards you, and the way, at least one of the ways in which you will grow in your understanding of grace is by serving. One of the ways in which you will grow in your understanding of God's grace is by serving. And if you've been coming for any length of time on a Sunday evening, you'll know that every single Sunday I ask for you to serve. We shine a spotlight on one particular ministry in our church, and invariably towards the end, I express a need. There is a need. There are countless needs. There's no end of them. There, there can never be given the excuse, there was no need for me in this church. You can never say, I just couldn't find a place to serve. Come speak to me. How many hours do you have? You have to serve. Because it's there that Ephesians 2 teaches us that we will find and apprehend and enjoy the grace of the gospel. This is how God has wired you from the second that he saved you. You are a new creation in Christ. Ephesians 2 verse 10. You have been created in Christ Jesus. For what purpose? Good works. So as God has made effective the gospel in your life so as to acquit you of your sin and your guilt before him, you are now wired so as to work. And I've said it before, there are few more miserable people on this earth than lazy Christians. Some of the most sad, miserable people on all of the planet are Christians who do not serve. If you are sat here tonight with issues of contentment, you're just not thrilled to be here. Tell me what your life looks like as it relates to service in the local church. That's where I would begin the conversation because God makes plain we will find our joy and our appreciation of his grace in our willingness to serve. So my encouragement to you is that you would serve. Serve in this church. Look for opportunities to bless other believers. It can be in an informal or a formal capacity. There are many needs that I present to you. I praise God if you would respond each and every Sunday and say, I am here. I don't know what I can offer, but please would you use me? Or alternatively, there are informal expressions of service. No one is drawing this to your attention, but you are praying and you are looking around you and you can see needs. There is nothing stopping you seeking to address those needs with your efforts. Whatever you do, please do not allow your feelings to rule over your theology in this area. And here's what I mean by that. You're sat there on a Sunday evening and you hear the pastor say, we have a desperate need right now in the nursery. Or the next week, we are desperately in need of helpers for VBS. 
or the next week, we have more needs than you can care to list. Would you consider serving? And you sit there each and every time and you say, you know what? I just didn't feel like it. You know what? That, that I heard what he said. It just didn't excite me. Do not allow your feelings to rule over your theology. There is no footnote to this passage only in so much as you're excited by the need. That's not there. We live in an age where we, where we give precedent and priority to our feelings. And honestly, we just need to get on with the work of the ministry. We just need to respond to the needs being presented and to serve. And trust me, you will see just how excited you can become when you take that step of serving. Your feelings will follow your theology when you step up and say, I am here ready to serve. Now, I understand that in some cases you might say, that's not my gift. I do understand that God has wired us each in different ways, and there are things you'll be good at and not so good at. But again, don't always lean on that as an excuse. For most of the needs being presented to you, there is not necessarily a gifting required. No gifting to serve at VBS, no gifting to serve in the nursery. There are many, many jobs that need to be done wherein you don't have to have identified a particular level of gifting. Be able to serve. Consider how you are serving in this church. Think about the needs that have been presented, the way in which you could serve yet more. Make your availability known to someone. Come speak to me, speak to another elder or a deacon. Say, I want to serve. Why? Because I want to know more of God's grace. And as we serve together, as we all serve together, we will not only know more of God's grace, but he would mold this church into a unified body that is an immense force for the advancement of the gospel in this community. Pray with me now to close. Father, we praise you for the reality of our salvation tonight, saved all of grace, grace alone, nothing that we have contributed. We refresh our hearts with those truths. And we see that as you created us afresh in Christ Jesus, you have created us for good works. You have even ordained the works ahead of time for us. And our responsibility is to serve, to walk in them, to walk in those acts of service in the local church, to do those good works. Why? Not least because there your grace can be found. May we never boast. May we not set ourselves apart by seeking to boast of what we've accomplished. Rather, would we walk in good works and find there your grace, much joy. Shape us through our acts of service into a unified church and be glorified amongst us, we ask. In Jesus' name. You're listening to Timeless Truth Today. Shakespeare's Hamlet first premiered in 1602 And one of this work's most famous lines is, To thine own self be true. This philosophical sentiment has not changed in over 420 years. Fact is, in today's world, we're constantly told that we should follow our hearts, go in whatever direction our emotions direct. And yet in today's message, Pastor Paul discussed how excessively listening to our feelings can deter us from serving Christ's church and missing out on deeply experiencing God's grace. When we walk obediently in the good works God has planned for us, we experience a special understanding of God's grace. 
What amazing news this is for those of us who may be feeling far from the Lord or discouraged in our walk with Him. If you're a Christian, it is the Lord's will that you would be actively serving in a local church. Walking within His will is when we flourish. As a reminder, if you don't have a local church, come worship with us at 10.30 a.m. on Sundays. The church is located at 200 West Bethany Court in Thousand Oaks. Timeless Truth Today is a teaching ministry of Pastor Paul Twiss, a listener-supported outreach of Bethany Bible Church in Thousand Oaks, California. And please take note, on Monday, October 3rd, our website will change to beholdingchrist.org. And so, too, the name of this program will become Beholding Christ. We have a new series that begins on Monday. You'll hear part one of The Beatitudes, a new series from the Gospel of Matthew. I'm Matt Williams. Have a great weekend, and thank you for listening.